A reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses spoke to all the people, saying, A prophet like me will the Lord your God raise up for you from among your own kin. To him you shall listen. This is exactly what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not again hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see the great fire anymore, lest we die. And the Lord said to me, this was well said, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their kin, and will put my words into his mouth. He shall tell them all that I command him. Whoever will not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I myself will make him answer for it. But if a prophet presumes to speak in my name an oracle that I have not commanded him to speak, or speaks in the name of other gods, he shall die. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us acclaim the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us joyfully sing psalms to him. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord who made us, for he is our God, and we are the people he shepherds, the flock he guides. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Oh, that today you would hear his voice. Harden not your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the desert, where your fathers tempted me. They tested me, though they had, not, though they had seen my works. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, I should like you to be free of anxieties. An unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But a married man is anxious about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and he is divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is anxious about the things of the Lord, so that she may be holy in both body and spirit. A married woman, on the other hand, is anxious about the things of the world, 
how she may please her husband. I am telling you this for your own benefit, not to impose a restraint upon you, but for the sake of propriety and adherence to the Lord without distraction. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In the synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. We are presented with a very powerful scene as presented to us from Mark's Gospel of Jesus' first public manifestation, if you will, of his power is the God-man, is the Son of God. And he is shown entering the synagogue as any pious Jew would be in the practice of, just as we have the obligation or the devotion 
of complying with the Lord's desire for us to be with him on the first day of the week, the day that commemorates the resurrection. Many Christians mistakenly associate the Sunday with the Sabbath. The Saturday, the Sabbath actually began technically sundown Friday and went through Saturday. That was the day that when the creation narrative is given to us by the book of Genesis, it was the day that God rested. And so he wants his people to rest with him. But of course, with the new and eternal covenant established by Jesus, the first day of the week, the eighth day, marks now the revelation of God's victory and the restoration of what has been lost and now is in a process of being renewed, transformed. So when we hear how Jesus is entering the synagogue, we are able to gain great insight when we look at how Moses, who was considered to be the prophet, if you will, the deliverer uh, of God's people. No other prophet, no other person had the opportunities that, that, that Moses was given to commune with God, to literally, as we would hear the Scripture refer to, like one friend to another, to speak face to face. But of course, Moses never was able to look upon God in his pure form. He would not be able to make it. As you know, none of us can look at God in this present condition and live. It's just we would be taken up into that which we behold. And because God wants us to experience the fullness of what it is to live as, as the Christ come among us in the fullness of time, we are all in this process of being divinized in a manner that we can handle, but most especially as it, as it pertains and complements the purpose of God, the plan of God. But as we hear Moses in the book of Deuteronomy, and it's, it's believed that what Moses is speaking from the 18th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy is, is the, a prophetic word that predicts a, a new Moses. And so to have Moses saying, a prophet like me will the Lord God raise up for you from among your own kin, to him you shall listen. And this was in compliance with what the people requested of God. You know, they were overwhelmed when God would manifest himself with thunderbolts and lightning and all of this. The people were all, all trembling. Please don't let the Lord speak. You, you, you speak to us. We, we don't want that anymore. And the Lord says, so right for them to say this. This was a good request on their part. And so from Moses up until the time of the Christ, there has been an uninterrupted raising up of prophets who do what? Not predict the future. They don't predict the future. The best way to understand the prophet, the prophet is God's spokesperson. They speak what God gives. Now, with Jesus, unlike all of the other prophets, he is the prophet. He doesn't just speak what he has heard. He speaks out of his own substance, as we hear the people react, they say, gosh, they were astonished. They said, he's speaking with an authority unlike our scribes. And how did the scribes, how did the scholars of the law present the teachings of the Mosaic Code and the law, the prophets, and the Torah? 
But they would they were trained in argumentation to make citations to make to show the logical connection with this and that and to appeal to rabbis who were looked upon as having authoritative insight and interpretation of the law. That was the manner of the teaching of the scribes. That's what they were accustomed to. But when Jesus would come in and teach, and we know this especially in the in his in his Sermon on the Mount, you have heard that it was said. But now I say to you, if your brother or sister strikes you on one side of the cheek, don't offer resistance. Turn and offer the other one as well. Pray for those who persecute. This was totally. And so what astonished the people was not just the content of his teaching, but it was the power. It was the effect that his word had as it came forth from his his mouth. It truly affected what he said. There was no other person that was akin to this other than Moses. This is why it's significant to have Moses to have the, to, to be, Moses be the one to say, "There's going to be another, but this one, he, you are to listen to every word that comes forth from his mouth, for he is the word. He is the word." When Moses was having to lead the children, remember, he was the one that God accompanied the, the words that he spoke to Pharaoh. He accompanied Moses' words with signs and wonders, the ten plagues. And then, of course, through the wilderness, as the people would murmur and complain, they wanted water. He, he, brought, he drew the water from the rock. They wanted, they wanted bread, the manna, the mysterious manna from the heavens. And, of course, they weren't satisfied too much. No, no, we want meat, the quail. And so it went. And so what confirms the authentic prophet of God is the fact that their words actually realize what they speak. And this, again, this, he speaks with an authority unlike their scribes. In other words, exousia, that's the Greek, exousia, out of his own substance, Jesus is speaking. Now notice the reaction of the unclean spirit that has possession of this man in the synagogue. And this is something else that should hit us. The fact that the demons dwell in the assembly of the faithful people of God. They are among us. Why wouldn't they be? What is their objective? They don't want us to hear the life-giving word. They don't want you and I to hear and experience the liberation, the freedom that comes with the word and the spirit of the living God. So they try their best to distract us, to put thoughts into our mind. Sometimes, you know, you're sitting, don't you think? Sometimes you're in, you're in, the, in this posture right here. You know, my goodness, where did that thought come from? I can tell you as a priest, there are times when I'm in the most significant part of the Eucharistic prayer and the most vile thoughts come into my mind as I'm speaking the words that are so sacred and solemn. And I'm like, Jesus, give me strength. Of course, I can't say and think all these things, but this is the experience. So you're not alone. When you find yourself struggling to stay on point, to stay connected, it's not just you. It's every, all, the entire mystical body of Christ is constantly being assaulted by the enemy and his minions. 
And so very often we, we mistaken our neighbor as the enemy, but it's not. It's principalities working through personalities that is oftentimes the case. It's not the person just wanting to be an annoyance. Sometimes you say, doesn't this person realize how they are, how they, that their behavior is obnoxious and that this is, don't they know what, what's going on? What is wrong with them? Sometimes they're totally oblivious. They don't realize it. You remember the first words Jesus utters from the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. But when this man with an unclean spirit, and mind you, in Mark's gospel, when he makes reference to the unclean spirits, he's making reference to those angels who have fallen away from God, fallen from the light into the darkness by their own choosing. The chief of the demons is Satan, Lucifer, who was the great bearer of the light once when he was still in the keeping of the kingdom of God in heaven. But once he refused, and a third of the other angels, non servium, I will not serve, then they were cast down. Remember Jesus quoting from the prophet Isaiah, Behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. And so they are among us, and they are always trying their best to block us from the one who has come. And, you know, the people are amazed, they're astonished, but the demon, this unclean spirit, is absolutely horrified. What is this? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus, quiet, get out. He doesn't have to invoke the ritual of exorcism that the rabbis and so forth would have to have done. His mere words, and this is what captures the people's attention. So they move from astonishment, from amazement, to fear. What is this? Now notice also in Mark's gospel, when people are described as being amazed or astonished, that's not a good thing. <laughs> that's not, being a, that's not a, an adjective that's meant to, that's kind of like they're still slow in believing and coming to understand and recognize Jesus. Now you and I know as the recipients of the divine revelation, only divine revelation can give insight as to the identity of the Lord Jesus. Remember when, when uh, Peter gave the response, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barajona, Simon, son of John, for mere flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly father. And he offered words of blessing to Peter. I call you Kepha, and upon this rock I shall build my church. So, the gospel of Mark, the church wants us to understand. It's not so much to see Jesus as a superstar, you know, Jesus Christ, the superstar, because after this, his fame, you notice how the gospel, his fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region, but that's not the thing that we should be focused on. It's not about fame. He didn't come for fame. He came for redemption that would be wrought how he would literally take to himself all that ails humanity until finally he would ascend the gibbet of the cross and be pinioned to it. And once that happens, then he reigns. Then he allows someone other than the demon, other than the apostles to disclose who 
he was and is. It's the centurion who says, after Jesus utters his last and dies as he does, and the signs that accompany his death on the cross, it's the centurion who utters, surely this man was the Son of God. Surely this man was the Son of God. So at the very outset of Mark's gospel, Jesus is being presented as the one who is the power of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. He is in his person, the revelation of everything up until now has been a signpost pointing to now he has revealed himself and is revealing himself. So it's for you and I now to be attentive to how are we receiving his word? What part of us is resistant? Because usually the part of us that's resisting the truth of Jesus that's being communicated to us through word and action, that's the primary part of our hearts that still needs attention. That's the part of us that needs attention. And that is precisely the part of us that we want to present to the Lord, surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, I do believe. I do believe that you are the one sent by God. But I must be honest, I do still struggle. And you know the area that I'm struggling with. And name it. Tell him exactly what it is that you're still struggling with. Maybe it's anxiety about issues that are now arising in health, in your own personal health, relationships, things you've done in the past, and you're like, gosh, or that you thought you were over, but now all of a sudden there seems to be a relapse to sins that you thought you had pretty much put in check. Don't despair. Conversion, as I was mentioning during the Daily Mass, conversion is a lifelong endeavor. It's a process. It's not one and done. It doesn't happen overnight. And it's not just something that happens to those other people. It's happening and happens to all who are open and receptive to what the Lord is saying. So today, we recognize him as the Holy One of God. There is the priestly character that Jesus has received, but he's also given us and presented to us as the one who declares the reign of God, who calls us to be with him, to go with him to the cross and beyond. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me, follow me. This is the word of the King, of the Savior of the world, the one who has indeed come to destroy the demonic forces that have held sway over this world since the fall of our first parents. He has put them on notice, and this should be a gospel for us. This should be great news, good news, because now there is no question as to who has the power. And if he has the power, and he has entrusted us with this power, then we, we are no longer cowering and should not be cowering in fear. We have not received the cowardly spirit. We have a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, a spirit that speaks 
and worships God in spirit and in truth. We have the capability now of making him known. Now is the time to make him known. Hold nothing back, especially the gift of yourself for the good of the other. God love you. <laughs>